0: Hi, everyone. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Honey. Welcome, everyone, to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. We're together. And our theme today in this podcast is the life-saving practice of clarifying expectations.
1: Amen to that.
0: That's true. Life-saving. Now, this is the third in the series of eight podcasts that we're doing uh, around the emotionally healthy relationship skills. And uh, these eight skills are so critical because they are the... Uh, in our opinion, the one of the largest and most massive gaps in discipleship and leadership mm. training. Mm. Uh, and so it's life and death on so many different levels.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't say just gap. I would say conditions without these skills, we create conditions of unnecessary pain.
0: Yeah, and unhealthy cultures, and which unhealthy we'll talk cultures, about. So again, yeah. whether it applies to our families, whether our teams, whether our churches or ministries, whether even our workplaces, if we're in the marketplace. So uh, again, honey, we develop these skills over a very long period of time, decades, and I've just finished our 4.0 version of it, uh, yeah. <laughs> of the videos and the workbook yeah. for most of the relationships. And so it's all these decades to put in practice theology, which of course revolutionized our Life, yes,
1: and, especially the theology to love one's neighbor as oneself.
0: Exactly, and so it's the part two of the emotionally healthy discipleship course. It's that big uh, a thrust for us. So, uh, and but, but it begins with us getting it, and then of course, uh, then we bring it to our teams, etc., in our ministries and create healthy cultures. So it began with. Uh, The first podcast around this was called Unleash the God Given Voice of Your People, which of course begins with us. And we talked about the community temperature reading. And then we, uh, the last podcast, we called it uh, Slay the Dragon of wrong assumptions, Mm -hmm. and uh, we got into stop mind reading. And today is the life-saving practice of clarifying Mm -hmm. expectations. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to get into the rest of them like clean fighting and genogram, but Mm -hmm. uh, we've got to help people grow up in this and mature its life and death. And so uh, this is no small thing. Now, before we continue, we launched this podcast for leaders like you who are facing complex pressures in order to live and lead out of a deep inner life with Jesus. The demand for this kind of content has far outpaced our resources to deliver this message. Your financial partnership will allow us to reach more leaders in under-resourced countries where this message is critical. So I wanna invite you to join with us today by giving at emotionallyhealthy.org slash give so that together we can radically renew the leaders in God's church around the world. Thank you for your support. Now back to today's topic.
1: When we talk about culture, we're talking about the way we do things around here. Think about your own ethnic culture, your family culture, well, it's the same thing. So your family had a, it's the way you you do things. It's the way your ethnic culture, it's the way they do things, and it's the same in a yeah. church. A lot of times, though, it's just not spoken. It's invisible. But believe me, there's a culture, and that culture is largely flowing from the leadership.
0: And so, leaders have to be then right, honey. So aware of everything they're doing and not doing that creates culture. And so we get into these skills and like today's theme of clarifying expectations. This is small, but it's gigantic in terms of shaping healthy, mature, loving culture.
1: Yes. I'm remembering a horrifying moment for, for really us when we discovered one day that the culture of our church before we had begun this journey, or just as we were getting on this journey, yeah. that the culture of our church really reflected more the culture of our families that we had been born into, because that's how we had learned how to do things.
0: And our discipleship had never touched this area of right, our lives. Right.
1: And there was, I mean, obviously, we had, and we thought we had had the best discipleship yeah. there was at, up until that point, so to speak. And so, of course, we brought some of that in too, but it was a mixed bag of unexamined. Uh, of the way, unexamined way of the, of the way we do things around here. Yeah. So.
0: And so one of the biggest problems mm-hmm. that we, as the body of Christ, are accused of around the world is being very judgmental places. Mm-hmm. And one of the powers of these skills is to enable us to create safe spaces, safe relationships versus judgmental ones. So Jerry, why don't you take a minute and just, address just what we've done so far mm-hmm uh, in the community temperature reading and stop mind reading how we've been addressing of how the issue of judgmentalism with these different skills.
1: Well, that's one way of putting it. What I would say, this is how I would put it that the first three skills in the emotionally healthy relationship course actually deals with the polarity of assumptions. Hmm. Because as we said last week, it's so big and so pervasive and, and it can feel daunting. And mm. we said, we've got to get at assumptions because mm. it wrecks havoc in, they're like, uh, assumptions are like landmines. You step on it and you, don't, you know it's there until you you know, don't fulfill someone's assumption or your assumption isn't carried out or whatever. And so we get at assumptions really in three different skills in the course.
0: In the, in the beginning, especially.
1: Yes, in the first three. That's correct. And so in the first skill, community temperature reading, we get at assumptions in the word puzzle. But in that case, assumptions is is avoiding judgment. Mm. Okay, so that's one nuancing of assumptions, avoiding judgment. Last week, we talked about stop mind reading. And so that's another way you get at assumptions. Yeah. That's another way we nuance that whole thing of assumptions is to stop mind reading because that's a big form of assumptions and now today we're gonna we're gonna talk about clarifying expectations which is its own it's its own hornet's nest and it's bigger than the other two and so it's very very important to talk about and um you'll love this skill
0: you will. And uh, and so we're, again, we're breaking up unhealthy habits mm-hmm. that go back generations and generations. Mm-hmm. Again, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bone. And so we come at this, so many making assumptions, judgments on people that it's very destructive and we want to create safe places. So again, as you said, there's so much pain in relationships on so many levels because of this. So I, I one of my mentors, Bob Beale, whom you know, uh, Who spent 55 years consulting with uh, for profit companies and nonprofits and churches? And he had the saying, the saying uh, that I wrote down, I never forgot it. And he again, he worked with some of the largest ministries in the world. He said, All miscommunication is a result of different assumptions and results in frustration, pressure, and Tension.
1: Well, it certainly results in a lot. <laughs> I can say <laughs> it's that. It's
0: true. And so, again, we're going after the ninth commandment you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, which ends up we create stories in our brain that aren't true, which means they're lies and the kingdom is about truth.
1: And not only that, but once you create a story in your mind that isn't true about someone else, it actually changes your behavior towards them. It's true. And, and that's just, yeah, that can be very harmful and unfortunate and unnecessary.
0: So, Jerry, why don't you, let's let's explain the skill, then we'll model it, and then we'll make a number of leadership applications because it has such high-level applications on how we lead other people. So, Jerry, why don't you begin by just telling them that we every time we teach this skill, at a, whether it's at a conference or a mm-hmm. seminar or uh, at the School of Emotional Leadership, we teach it to pastors and leaders, the first thing we do and why we do it.
1: The first thing that we do is we ask pastors and leaders to actually... Write down, um, you know, like if we're doing it digitally, they'll put it in the chat box. Expectations they think people have of them as pastors, and you should see the fingers going to work. They I get mean, crazy. There is no problem. There, we're, there's, um, there's no problem getting that response from them. They're, they're all of a sudden, they're very aware of the expectations people have of them as pastors. And it's actually a very cathartic exercise. It is. I did it once with missionaries. And oh, um, oh boy, that was really.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I remember that we were with these missionaries. We were actually in Mexico. There were missionaries from all over uh, Latin America. They weren't that interested. Ah, skills, who cares? Doesn't mean anything. But we did this exercise, everything changed. Everything changed. Uh, And so here's, I, I. I remember we've had a list of 50, 60 things that people think are expect of pastors and leaders. So, I mean, we can just read a few of them here, you know, preach great sermons every single week. Uh, Be a great administrator. Mm -hmm. Be strong, but tender. You know, be, uh, know every person's hardship and difficulty in the church.
1: Have a great marriage. Have great kids, as in like, you know, well-behaved kids, uh, properly dressed kids, Whatever, you know,
0: be a visionary, bring us forward, but yet be attentive to details.
1: Yeah, uh, live on less money than everybody else in the church, and
0: never get depressed or angry like the rest of us, right? Uh, return every phone call and email, yeah, maybe between within 24 hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Have a spouse who's supportive if not involved. Many times it's a two for one, you know, <laughs> um, deal in ministry, be
0: perfect in Jesus.
1: Yes,
0: yes. And, and the it, list and goes on. attend
1: all important events, important events that is in the minds of your parishioners.
0: Be competent in handling money, be competent in pastoring, be competent in teaching and preaching, be competent in leading a staff, growing a ministry. I mean, you name it. The list just goes on and on. It's such a, it's such a, everyone's just, they're laughing because it's so impossible, but yet that's what most pastors and leaders are living under. Yes.
1: Be strong, but tender.
0: <laughs> you know, those, yeah, all right. So, Jerry... Tell them, why don't you go into, let's go into the four problems. Uh, Just tell me the four problems with these expectations.
1: Well, the first big problem, the overarching problem is that you would think you have a right to your expectation just because you have an expectation. So that's the overarching problem though. Because we have an expectation, we actually think we have a right to it. Hmm. And that's what we're going to uncover today and dispel today because actually, um, you don't have a right to your expectation until you've kind of gone through these four little inventories, okay? And the first one is um, expectations are, un- are unconscious. Many times, expectations are unconscious. In other words, you didn't know you had the expectation until you were expecting something to happen, and it didn't happen. But you didn't even realize you had the expectation until you were disappointed. Yeah. So it's only until you're disappointed many times. You realize, so for example, uh, you expect your staff to, someone might expect the staff to clean out the refrigerator every week and not leave all the food in the refrigerator. But you open that refrigerator and it's filled with food and gunk and everything else. And you're angry or disappointed. Like, what's wrong with these? You know, why didn't they? And then you realize, oh, I had an expectation that people would remove their food. Um, after at least a week anyway, or that mm-hmm. someone would clean up the uh, the meeting space that everyone met in, or somebody would prepare it.
0: Or erase the board after they finish using the board at, at, a, at a conference room that everybody uses.
1: Something as simple as someone borrowed your scissors, and you expect that they'll just return it. But you didn't even realize you had that expectation until they didn't return it. Yep. You are unconscious. So the first one, the first area that you need to take an inventory is Was I even conscious?
0: Yeah. So first is most expectations we have are unconscious. Most are unconscious. The second is they're unspoken.
1: Yes. No. No, I'm sorry. Second is unrealistic. Second is unrealistic. That's a, that's a really big one. Sometimes we, sometimes if not many times we have expectations that maybe in our mind, they're realistic, but they might not be for the, for the other person. And, um, so the question is, you know, where's the evidence that this is realistic?
0: Got it. Okay. What's the third then? Is unspoken.
1: Right. The third expectation.
0: No, these are problems with the most problems, expectations. I'm sorry, yeah. They're unconscious. They're unrealistic. Mm-hmm. They're unspoken.
1: Right. The third problem is when they're unspoken. And, and you may be conscious you have the expectation. You may believe it's realistic. Maybe it is, but it's you've never spoken it. And because you think they should just know, you think they should just know. Uh, so for example, even going back to the illustration of, uh, you know, returning your scissors, they should just know to return your scissors right away or whatever, right? Whatever in time, time frame Yep, is, is in your mind. But, that is, um, that's just not true because we all come from different families, different cultures and have different expectations of how we do okay. things around here. And so, um,
0: okay. Then the fourth one, which yeah. is
1: another th- is that, oh, that we are mutually agreed upon.
0: Most expectations are unagreed oh, upon. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: I keep coming from the other direction.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. so I'm just trying to get, so, the, so in other words, if we didn't agree that it would be done. We didn't agree or they didn't agree. On a certain expectation. And so, therefore. Right.
1: So, let me just repeat that briefly. The four problems with expectations are one, when they're unconscious, two, when they're unrealistic, three, when they're unspoken, and four, when they've not been mutually agreed upon.
0: That's great. Okay. And so, then um, the million dollar question is always, Jerry, that we always say to people that what expectations do we have a right to and what are the ones that we don't have a right to? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we say a valid, so what makes an expectation valid and invalid? And, uh, and so actually I have a great illustration is last week when I asked a friend of ours, who's actually on our board at EH discipleship. I asked him, uh, I called him and asked him to do something for us for a favor. Could you check in this for me? And he said, sure. I'll be glad to do it. I'll I'll make some phone calls. Mm -hmm. And then as he's talking, as he's like all enthusiastic, I'd be glad to do it. I know he's got a lot on his plate. And I said to myself, do I ask him for a date by when? Because I didn't want to be pushy. Then I realized, oh, I need to ask that question. Speak it. Uh, I knew it was, I was conscious. It was realistic. And I had to speak it. And then I had, then I said, asked him by when? And he said, okay, by early next week, you know, Monday or Tuesday. I said, great.
1: So, he, so basically he would say, yes, I can agree to get back to you by next Monday.
0: I actually asked him, can, when can you get back to me by? And he said, Monday, Tuesday. I said, great. Yeah. And uh, so we agreed. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't go through a whole formal skill with him at that Fine. moment. Right. But I wrote down on my calendar, Tuesday, by Tuesday, right. get a response from him. If not, I'll call him or just move on mm-hmm. uh, that it couldn't get done. So, uh, again, we don't even know we have an expectation until you were angry or disappointed. I don't want to get angry. I was asking him for a favor We have a nice relationship or disappointed. So I tried to be as clear as possible with him. And it was great. So we have four criteria for expectation. You tell me if I'm right off of this, right? So a criteria for a valid expectation is it's got to be conscious. Mm -hmm. It's got to be realistic. Mm -hmm. It has to be spoken and has to be mutually agreed upon. Mm -hmm. And then we say that's a valid expectation. So, um, And so this skill is an expectation is only valid when it's mutually agreed upon. That's the thrust and the heart of this skill.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of you may be this may be raising quite a few questions for you. And again, we're going to point you to the course itself, because the, the course, the session on clarifying expectations is well nuanced and yeah. should you re, should really answer a lot of your questions so you're, you you've got to check that out.
0: Yeah, so we're not going to go into all the stuff no. that goes into in that session you guys who no. will see it in the course. Please go look at emotional relationships on clarify expectations. However, so in and actually in the course uh, in the workbook we actually ask people to for a simple ex- exercise think of two to three recent simple expectations you've had mm-hmm. of other people that went unmet mm-hmm. that left you frustrated disappointed or perhaps angry and so people do that with work church family friends mm-hmm. and they work that out and then there's a little checklist yeah. where you of the four things were you conscious of it is it real was it realistic did you speak it and was it mutually agreed upon it's a tremendous exercise people love it
1: yeah and we go into specifically what does realistic mean yeah um, you, well, know, is you know, what does conscious mean? Conscious spoken. Yeah.
0: So why don't, why don't you do it with us? Practice it yes, with me. Because, you said you have something for yes, me. Because
1: as you were saying this, um, there was something that really came to my mind. Oh, we often ask people that have you had a, a, a simple expectation that went unmet recently that made you angry, disappointed or confused. And I can say, yes, I have with my husband. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> um, so, uh, What's the word? Not disappointed. Not not necessarily angry in this case, but I have I've become aware mm-hmm. that I have had an expectation of meeting with you regularly to talk about the, a myriad of things because at this stage in our life, <laughs> the season that we're in there's a lot going on there is. and we have house things to talk about. We have family things to talk about. We have work unpaid and unpaid and unpaid work to talk about. And I'm expecting that we will have, we, that we have this leisure in our life that we'll have time each day mm-hmm. to talk about these things. But each day just seems to get away from us and, and, gobbled up. Yeah. And so I realize I have an expectation mm-hmm. that I would like to meet with you daily because right now yeah, there is a there's lot, a lot yeah. there's a lot uh, going on with us and in those areas. And so I'd like to ask if we could meet, let's say five 30, um, daily. Yeah. Yeah. To check in, on one or two or three of those items, great, and yeah. and talk about them. That means we've got to, you know our schedule. we've Got to look at yeah, our schedule. Yeah. We've got to stop okay. at five.
0: Jerry, great. I, I daily. I never thought about daily. That's great. It's a great idea. You're right. Yes, you're right. But uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I've never heard the word daily, but that makes sense. Each day we need to meet and talk. Yeah, it because not, it, it might be a ten minute meeting, but it's it's a check in.
1: Well, and it might not have to be daily forever. But right now we've got a lot, so yes. I'm asking: can you mutually, can you agree to meeting beginning today? today. I yeah. don't know what your schedule, I don't know which is on your roster for today, but like five thirty, maybe five thirty, because we have a lot. It's going to go to six, five thirty okay. to six, and yeah. then we'll get to dinner,
0: honey. Great, love to, love to, okay. be great. I had one this summer that was when we were living with our daughter Faith, her husband, and their two kids for four months, and. I had something that was really kind of bugging me with her leaving lights on, all all over the house. And of course, since we pay the electric bills, it was really it was we're, we're lights off people when we leave a room. <laughs> I like
1: the lights off people.
0: We're, she's lights on people. Yeah, and yes. uh, and so I was like, how do I approach her without being, uh, I don't know. Annoyed, mm, uh, yeah. pure frustrated, nitpicky. Yeah. And so, or parental. Yeah. So I had to clear my own sense about, okay, where am I getting crazy or a few cents? And it, yeah. But I finally did approach her and, uh, you know, clarified the expectation that I'd like, you know, ask if you could cl- close a light if you're leaving a room and you're not going to be coming back to it for a while. And of course, she laughed. And, um, and so now she, when she leaves a room, she'll, Turn a lot off and should make a favorite dad lights off. You know, and so it's become a good joke. But I had to get clear myself that I really was never clear with her, That's and right. it was great. It was great, but it took me a little bit, and I had to wait till I actually sat her down and we had a face-to-face meeting and and it, was, it's it was
1: amazing how unclear we are about this even the simplest things but they can become big things like where do your kids place their books yes. bags or shoes when they come in the door or your spouse or yeah. where you know just yes. little things big so, things.
0: so let's make some let, let me let's make some leadership applications now mm-hmm. let, let's let's raise it up here mm-hmm. and so again there's a four key words you want to memorize uh that when i think about expectations conscious realistic spoken and mutually agreed upon uh, those are the four key words. So let me apply it to leadership. Because so I was angry and frustrated a lot before I learned the skill and got into emotionally of the disciples. Before I got equipped, it was a massive hole in my own leadership, my own formation, our own marriage. It was a life-saving practice. So um, I got four big areas where I made a dram- some dramatic shifts in the way I operate as a, a leader using this skill. Yes. So, so the first was when we began... And you can add to this our EH discipleship journey, uh 28, 29 years ago. And came back out of a four-month sabbatical and having had a difficult time, I said, okay, I gotta, I wanna change the expectations people have of me mm. as a pastor. Mm. And began to put our marriage, it was Jesus first, then it was our marriage and our family. And I wasn't gonna work a six and a half day week any longer. I was going, you know, we're going to work a five-day week, maybe five and a half if needed, that I was going to Sabbath, a day alone with God each month, rhythms, and slow it down. And I wasn't going to be available all the time for people. I wasn't going to do, remember I did that one summer, I must have done seven, eight weddings every Saturday I was doing a wedding. And I said, that's over. You know, at that point, our church was large. We had other people to do weddings. Um, and people loved me preaching all the time. Of course, Pete's got to preach all the time. And we went to a, eventually slowly to a preaching team. I wanted more freedom. I wasn't going to do is remember that, that we worked for that very large church in another country. And the average, the pastors worked an average of 100 to 110 hours per week. Now, we weren't working 100 hours a week, but we were working a lot. So the first application of the skill was, I was not agreeing to the expectations that I, in a sense, had allowed people to create right. in the first seven, eight years of us pastoring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we changed them. That was dramatic. I went, the yeah. board was involved. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful.
1: Yeah, actually, so it works both ways. Where the unconscious. I'm not only unconscious of expectations I have of others. I'm also unconscious of the fact that I take on others' expectations. Yes, I, I simply think because they expect it, I should do it. So, yeah, like for the for example, I came into marriage thinking I'm supposed to cook seven nights a week because culturally that was the expectation I grew up with or, or saw modeled or internalized. And
0: that's what my mom did. Well, and
1: <laughs> my mother and my sisters and my aunts—they all cooked the seven days a week, and so. Anyway, just one little yeah. So we can we can also um, you changed it address yes address the expectations not just that we clarify the ones we have of others but clarify the ones we think they have of them and change those as well.
0: And so we really we really changed our gender roles. We were kind of in a fixed (laughs) gender role unhealthy way of operating. And it was wonderful. You declared yourself. Oh, I jumped, oh sh-
1: I jumped to ship first. It was wonderful. All right, let's go
0: back to leadership. <laughs> but that's uh, true. It changed our marriage. All right, the second had to do with our staff team. Uh, our staff team, both pastoral and administrative. I was angry and frustrated a lot. Do you remember? I was angry and frustrated yes. with both paid staff and key volunteer people in, in the church because I wasn't clear. I wasn't conscious. I wasn't realistic. And I wasn't, we weren't getting mutual agreement. It was a mess. So this changed my life. It was one of the biggest applications. Uh, and so I remember uh, having folks who were actually even on paid staff, but there was a sense where it was a free for all. I, I could ask them to do something and they'd say, even though they worked for me, they'd say, no, I don't really feel like doing that. You know, and I'd be like, well, I don't, I'm saying I'm your lead pastor and I'm the one who hired you. And because we had a dual relationship, we were also friends, they would just say, no, I'm not going to do that. And they would go do what they wanted to do. And oh my goodness. So I had to get really clear on the nature of the organization. I was under the board. People worked for me. Your vision scope was so within my vision etc there was a sense of hierarchy that was healthy use of authority etc oh, and uh, and so i began to develop a a rule of life if you remember for all the pastoral staff and then a separate one for administrative staff and the first there was two parts to that rule of life one was their inner life what was i what was the expectations around people walking with jesus things like sabbath and Uh, leading out of their marriage or singleness or having a life of prayer, Mm -hmm. uh, some offices and silence and stillness and et cetera. So there was inner life issues that we agreed upon. Mm -hmm. And I put it in in a rule of life. And then there was outer life issues of how we operated as a leadership. And I remember, and I actually wrote down here, Jerry, I actually pulled it out. We had in that document that all the staff ended up agreeing to was around, we are set apart by the board and the larger church to do a role. We're one of the few people that get actually get paid for it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or if you're a volunteer, it's a privilege to be in a position of leadership yeah. and that the, the fit may change over time between what the church needs and our own personal needs. And that every year we're all subject to periodic reviews uh, around our job description, our status, and any kind of contract we may have. And that it's always open before the Lord, and that it is a privilege to be in any kind of role of leadership in a local church. And uh, so that that was just, and that we were stewarding the church's resources. And so no one owned them. No one was working for life necessarily. We have a mission from God, and we're all, in a sense, under that mission. So that that was revolutionary.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I. That
0: was gigantic.
1: What I hear you saying, it's amazing because this little skill that started out with us really clarifying who's going to cook and when they're going to cook. That's true. But because we practiced and learned Mm. it and internalized it, we were able to keep bringing it to the next level, to the next level. And it just kept blossoming into, wow, this has such far reaching impact in so many areas that are really significant and important. But actually, and it still, it still goes back to one of the ways you can get back at this, whether it's a small thing or a big thing, is again, uh, paying attention to your frustrations and, and ang- your disappointments and your anger and ask yourself, what was I expecting? Yep. And then that leads you back to the, the little inventory and the problems when, they're un, when they've been unconscious, they've been unrealistic, they've been unspoken or, or, or agreed, unagreed upon.
0: Isn't it interesting, Jared, how over time we've realized every one of the skills are a way of discovering our voice. And I know I discovered my voice as a leader. Yeah. And it took me time to get clear what is yes. it that I want from people who are on our pastoral staff or even administrative staff yes. and, or volunteering. And so we actually put it in the rule of life. And I want to recommend to all of you listening or watching this podcast, uh, there is a place you can watch. You can read that sample rule of life that I wrote. And then actually some videos on how do I create one for my team and you just go to emotionallyhealthyorg slash rule. That's emotionallyhealthyorg slash rule. It's a great free download. And you get a chance to read what I did write a number of years ago for our pastoral yes. staff team. It'll give you some Beautiful. good ideas. Yeah, yeah. Can I um, just
1: go back for a moment to that finding your voice? Because yes. There, I think we, the reason that the skills help you find your voice is because one learning about them and the theological integration of them is reframing. It's, it's, you know, um, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So they're renewing your mind in a way that you hadn't seen or thought about things or realized things. Mm. So one, they're renewing your mind, but two, they are, Giving, we actually, the skills are giving you handles, literal handles to how to say things. Mm. You know, hey, can I clarify an expectation um, that I realize I have of you? Or can I check out an assumption I think you have of me? Or so, Hey, I, I'm puzzled. These these things between the renewing of your mind yes. and having these handles are literally setting you free.
0: Yeah, and setting everybody else free.
1: Yeah, well, once you you once you get free, you can be it's true. Me, other people are then going to have permission to find their voice.
0: That's true. That's true, and it's excellent. Well, two other applications for leadership, uh, which were have really changed my life. One was even hiring someone. For any position. Absolutely. Uh, I used to be very sloppy with a writing a job description and what are the qualities I'm looking for we need and the role that needs to be done.
1: You know, I mean would uh, you say you were sloppy or just not trained?
0: That's true. I wasn't trained. Wow. And I wasn't cle- I wasn't trained to sloppy. even get sloppy.
1: You are not but you were untrained. And when we're untrained, I, yeah. I, I I don't know. We, I guess you, I would yeah.
0: follow my feelings. I sense Jerry's a great person to put in this role, but I wouldn't do the hard work of saying, what is it that I'm expecting?
1: But you but also I, didn't know how to do I it. I didn't
0: hard know hard how to it. do it. So I began to get I really know. conscious and I began to get realistic and began to get speak it. And then they agreed upon it. So the way I even hired people, even as volunteers was dramatically changed. And I had to learn to do the hard work. Of writing a really good description, you know, bouncing it off someone, getting very clear, and then when I'm talking to folks and interviewing folks, getting very clear. So that that was that was it's hard work. A major application of clarify expectations It is a hard as a work, leader.
1: but there's a lot less pain oh, on the other side. A lot less. Right? When you put the hard work in up front, there's less chaos down the road. Yep. But you're also forgetting about. I don't know if I'd call it hard work, but there is the the diligence of practicing the skill. Yeah. Okay, you're not gonna get good at this thing blossoming into the important work of job descriptions and hiring staff, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're not practicing the skill, in your own life. And I think we're going to probably talk
0: about that towards the end. And a a final application had to do with quote membership. Now it's interesting in the early days, I don't remember honey, in the early years we were like, there's no membership. We're all here. We love everybody. Everything's good. And then what happened was a fellow uh, left his wife and began to have, while he was still married, had an affair with someone. He's in the church He's with this other woman, but he's still married to somebody else. And I remember saying to him, this is not appropriate. And he said to me, well, who are you to tell me what's appropriate and what's not? I'm just attending here. There's no such thing as a, anybody can do anything here. And that's when I began early on to realize, oh no, we do need some healthy boundaries about what does it mean to be a member of this community Mm -hmm. and to be under our leadership. And so as we got into emotionally discipleship and clarify expectations, I began to think about what does it mean to be a member of this community or part of this community. And so I, I took this skill of what can they expect of us if you become a member of us as leadership, and what can we expect from you as a person who is now in the church as a quote, member of this community. Right. And so I wrote down, these are some things I wrote down. I, I called them privileges and re, and uh, responsibilities. So the privilege, what you could expect was things like, and I remember at every membership class, I would review this. Mm-hmm. You could expect pastoral care and covering. You could expect equipping opportunities. You could expect mm-hmm. that you could be put in leadership uh, places. You could participate in membership meetings and key votes on important issues and you could serve in leadership. So there were some privileges that came with that. And they said, what can we expect of you? and responsibilities, and we would expect you to follow Jesus, uh, and that you would pursue Jesus yourself, not just expect us to carry you spiritually. We'll equip you, but you're going to pursue Christ. That you'll in- submit to the oversight and shepherding of the leadership in areas of doctrine, direction, discipline. I, we don't want to submit to us in terms of making a decision, do I buy a house in this town or that town? But in areas of doctrine, shepherding, direction, that there's a you sense a sense, I can trust that you're leading us in the right direction as a leadership.
1: And as you got clearer in all these areas, like, again, hiring staff, putting job descriptions in place. What does it mean
0: to be a part of this community? What does
1: it mean to be part of this community? Ministry and passion Ugh. became much more life-giving. And
0: easier. So much easier. Easier
1: and more life-giving.
0: It's true. So much less chaos. And there were things like being involved in some kind of a group ministry, be connected, serve with your gifts, inside the body or outside the body uh, serve and to give financially as appropriate. So, okay. I mean, it's, it was, it was fantastic. We said, any thank you. It was really, it was the, this was a, a, a basic skill, which we teach in the relationships course for just daily life, but the leadership implications were just vast.
1: Yeah. Why'd you say thank you?
0: Ah, oh, I just glad you brought some great points. Wow. I, I I forgot almost like, oh my goodness, it made life so much easier as a person, as a leader, so nice. maritally parenting, you name it. All right, Jerry, we have this saying, and I want you to expound on it. That new skills plus new language plus intentional follow-up equals transform community. So why don't you just, let's talk about the place of reinforcement. We don't just want the folks listening to this podcast to say, oh, it's really interesting. Let me just, let me go get the relationships course and let me just practice a skill once or twice and then I'll all be good to go. Uh, why is reinforcement so central to actually Making disciples, building a healthy culture, having long-term impact with the use of all the skills, but especially, of course, with this one: clarify expectations.
1: Um, Reinforcement—that was the
0: yeah, question. the key keyword. Yeah,
1: yeah. I would say the key word is, um, I guess, is practice. Actually, don't buy the kit if you're not going to practice. You're mm-hmm. just going to waste your money. Because even I tell people in the course, I said, "You're not going to if you don't practice." You're, you're not going to change
0: because you've got thousands of years of history of doing it a wrong way.
1: Right. Literally, we say, you know, a thousand years, hundreds of years, because this is generational. Um, so practice is so key to changing yeah. um, to to getting not, not just you're not just getting a. Uh, adept at something, but you're it's raising lots of awareness of what's going on inside of you mentally, yeah. emotionally, spiritually. So I, don't, I just and how uh,
0: do we use it, Jerry, as mentoring moments? as we're mentoring people and working with teams, even now Ooh. that we see unclear, oh, fuzzy right, expectations right, right. and people right. frustrated and disappointed with somebody else, So often it's a mentoring moment. Yes, you said an example yeah, of that. Yeah,
1: like you mean in terms of expectations. Yes, and, cl- no expectations. Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean it's true of all the skills, but and oh yes, oh my goodness, what, I used to love when people would, um, as as a leader spouse, uh, people had expectations of me, many expectations of me that I never agreed to. So, for example, someone might in the vestibule of the church after a um, service come up to me and you know and say, oh. I didn't see you at that event yesterday. <laughs> uh, and I said, really? I said, well, why would you see me at that event yesterday? I never agreed to go to it. And they would be, they would kind of be, you know, surprised by that response because they figured if they had, they, they're figuring if they had an expectation that I'd be there, then I should be there. Mm. And so when I, I always loved opportunities when people, I knew people had an expectation of me because it was an important discipleship moment. Yeah. It was an opportunity for me to say, oh, I, I never agreed to that. And all of a sudden you'd see their head kind of go like a little bit to the side because
0: you're the sp- You you're a pastor's spouse. You, you, you're supposed to be there.
1: No, because it was also that phrase, like, I never agreed to it. Yeah. And it was like a whole, it opened up a whole new way of thinking for them yeah and um so it would have this it was an opportunity for me to talk to them and disciple them in expectations and here i am i'm free right i'm i'm pretty free of other people's expectations for the most part and and now i'm being able to set someone else free and then they're going to set someone else free, et cetera. I mean, it, it's another way it happens, but so in, yes, in every interaction in staff meetings, yeah. in supervision, et cetera, et cetera, whenever it comes up, I mean, and you would be, you saw the ripple effect. Um, Pete and I would practice it. We wouldn't teach it to anybody first. We practice it. Yeah. And then we would teach our family And then we would teach our staff and elders, and it would just have a rippling effect. And we would hold each other accountable in staff meetings, around mind reading, around assumptions, around puzzles, around clarifying expectations. And it's just, it's brilliant. Yeah. I just
0: remembered something, and I'll close with this thought. I remember uh, we would, and you especially, we would offer seminars at the church Now we teach the in the Emotionally Relations course. It's eight weeks. And we teach the... We give people an introduction to these skills. Yes. But what you would do is you began, it still goes on now in different churches, you would use, take a skill like clarify expectations and you would run like a, a two hour Saturday morning seminar.
1: workshop. Yeah. And
0: you would run the workshop at key moments, like before the holidays, oh. when people are going to go, to be with their families at Christmas or Thanksgiving, right. and there was lots of chaos because all these expectations about gift buying and who's doing food, and people come back from holidays so angry, frustrated, right. and we you would teach the skill, and now others teach the skill in an even broader way, apply to the holidays, and it would get it would be packed. People would love it. They would come back and say that was amazing, and then we would run some of these skill workshops, you know, at different points in the year, just one like clarify expectations for a few hours. I that was brilliant. And because it was such a felt need at that yeah, very,
1: this skills, a very, very felt need. And that's why you could do it for, for a you know, marriage workshop.
0: Oh my gosh. Because Parenting ma- workshop.
1: <laughs> there, there, we have thousands of expectations around marriage. And one thing we haven't mentioned again, it's, it'll, it's in the course. We go into more detail in the course because you hope, hopefully you're asking, or at some point, where did all these expectations come from? Oh yeah and it's important to be aware of where how we took on these expectations And to dispel them and let go of them.
0: So let me encourage everybody, you want to uh, pick up the emotional healthy relationships course. Uh, get that. Uh, but if you want to just download a session to again, feel it and test it, try it out, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash community and you can download session one. You'll get the, you'll see the video. You'll get the workbook. You'll get the daily office book that goes with it. And it's a free way of kind of getting, getting in and getting a taste of it. So let me encourage you to do that. Uh that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash community. It's a great entry point. But of course, uh we strongly encourage you to you know pick up the workbook, uh, pick up the, you know, watch the videos, get into it yourself. It's just so life-changing. And just I would also just finally close. You want to just
1: well, I, you wanna say something? Well, yeah, I have. I mean, I I have <laughs> I have been known to say that if if churches could do one thing mm-hmm. like this clarify expectations we and check out our assumptions, wow. we could advance the kingdom That's of true. God so much just by doing this one thing around this whole area of assumptions.
0: Just imagine our own lives if we had never learned these skills. Oh. Well, let's, not, let's not imagine. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. I can't imagine leadership. No. Well, that, thank you so much, honey. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. It's been great to be with you. It's been a joy on this podcast to be together. Jerry, it's so much fun doing it together. It is. Thank you so much.
1: And And in the coziness of our
0: own home. home and this simple technology so bless everybody have a wonderful day and uh may god good hand rest upon you amen amen